Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for a beautiful morning, a wonderful time of worship in the Lord. We ask you, Lord, to lead us now simply in some things of God, to show us, Lord, how you have us to walk and what to say and what to do this morning. Holy Spirit, lead us, teach us, impart to us, and most of all, be glorified, O Lord. Prepare us as we prepare the way for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Once again, welcome to you joining us online. I know some of you are in some very stressed areas. Um, you know, it wasn't enough on Southern California that they had the, the slides and the rains. And now I heard early this morning that there was a bit of a shaking and an earthquake off Malibu. And, uh, you know, we just pray. We love you, those who are joining in with us, Brother Frank and a few others. And we also know that in some other areas of the country, you know, the weather's been really stressful, causing some issues. So we pray with you. We believe God with you. Um, we also know that in Pakistan, there's been some serious disruptions. And of course, we have uh, Pastors Nita and Anwar with us. Thank you. We honor you. We love you. We bless you. This is your house. This is your family. And the family misses you when we don't see you, so we appreciate you. And Anwar and Nita, they're, they're both getting awards this year for the best dressed preachers in the world. So I quit trying to compete with him now. I just do my thing and to each his own, right? We all have gifts. So I want to pick back up if the Lord allows us uh, on the perpetuating seed dynamic. Now, it's a big word for the fact that there's a seed within the seed of itself. I'm not going to review everything that I've done the last couple of weeks. I would encourage you to go online to listen to it and make it part of this series that's coming out because it builds. And our whole theme and the whole basis of our ministry has always been to build upon the firm foundation of the Word of God with fresh revelation. But when we can receive and understand, and the Lord says that the secrets and the mysteries of God have been entrusted to us. But that doesn't mean we just naturally receive them. We have to dig. We have to mine. We have to be treasure hunters. And we do that in the Word of God and in prayer with the Spirit of God and receiving. And then we share. And the Lord has many members, and so one may add on to what another one has done and go throughout the period of time. And so that's what we're doing here. And it's very fascinating and very exciting. Last week, we actually got into what makes up a seed, and we understood that there's a parallel to that in the Spirit of God and to us. So I do want to build from that this week. And what I'd written was that we were going to explore, first of all, the first fruits uh, of ourselves. After we had determined in Genesis that the Lord had said, you know, let us make every kind after its own kind. And with the herbs and the plants and then even the, the animals and humans, there's, he, he gave the ability to give forth seed. And the seed multiplies and brings forth the same kind of itself. Kind and even likeness in some ways. And so building off of that, we then understand that this gives us a tremendous insight into the seed that God has planted in you from before the beginning of time. You have seed. 
And that seed has to be brought forth and cultivated and activated. And as that seed comes forth, it multiplies. And it multiplies into those that God puts in your sphere of influence and those whom you will share with and bless with. Now, we are also aligning this with the, the peculiar calling that is upon this age in the, bo- in the body of Christ, in the kingdom right now, and that the assignment that had come upon me in this church is accepted from a long time ago, and that is to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. And uh, I can tell you that I had this conversation uh, just a couple days ago with a very influential man of God, and uh, I was grateful that he took that time out with me. This is twice now in two weeks because the Lord had us exploring things together. And uh, this was in Texas, and we had about a good five hours or more together. And in that instance, we were sharing what we saw the Lord doing in the kingdom. And of course, you know that I'm singularly focused to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord through the lenses that I see and that I try to explain for everybody else is to see that Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And when we get that perspective, it begins to align everything. We then begin to have purpose and identity and understanding. How many people have heard so many different messages about finding your purpose and identity? Huh? I mean, you know, some have made it a whole ministry, books and books and books and things about identity and purpose, and it's all good. But isn't it amazing that sometimes when purpose is right before us, we don't see it? It's because we're looking to define ourselves rather than to define him in this time. So I'm not one who's going to preach to you to find your own purpose so that you can achieve everything on earth that God wants you to do with your vocation, with your legacy. No, no, no. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else is added unto us. But that's been inverted some, hasn't it? And so we have different areas of, of, of faith and scripture, and some call it religion, that, that we are led to seek because that's what people have a gift and their passion for. And I don't criticize that. In fact, I tell you that's a good thing, right? There are better faith preachers than me, so get it the way you want it. There's better grace preachers than me. Go get it the way you want it, but don't make it your only pursuit. And there's faith healers all over the place. You don't need to chase them. You just need to come to the altar because there's healing in this house. You can if you want, if that increases your faith and you want to go halfway around the world and pay for a ticket in a hotel room and put an offering on their altar. That's all wonderful stuff. And God will even honor that, but you don't need to do that. You don't need to chase your purpose around the earth. You need to slow down and just receive the purpose. And so our purpose is to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. Anybody who's breathing and loves Jesus Christ today, that's the ultimate purpose of what we're supposed to be doing because Jesus is coming back. And he's coming back for a bride without spot or wrinkle. And we understand even in Ephesians how he said it. He said, husbands, love your wives even as Jesus loves the church. And in so doing, he said that we are as men with women to honor them and to give them all we have and for women to submit, but not submit to be abused, but submit to be one 
and go together. And so that too has been preached the wrong way many times, but we won't touch that today other than to say Jesus is coming back for a bride and a bride without spot or wrinkle. And we know that bride doesn't exist right now on earth. We know that if we were to count how many pieces of the members of that bride there are, there would be few pieces. If you were to like it onto a puzzle and you were starting at the feet and starting to put the pieces together to put the body of the bride together, we may, might not get past the toes right now. There's a lot of good pieces out there, but they haven't been brought together and formed together. And there's wonderful people that love the Lord all over the place, but they haven't been brought together to prepare as a bride of Christ. And we are not to be divided. We're to be in unity. We're to be in unity. Sometimes we have to fight for unity. Sometimes we need to, to go that extra mile to be unified. Because the way we're made, the flesh, the way the flesh tries to overcome is always to assert ourselves in anything. Even with our gifts. Do you know that a gift of God can become a curse if it's not balanced and used properly? I can't tell you how many great people of God I've seen be serving their gift more than they're serving God, and pretty soon they're a little astray. Not so much that we see they've fallen away from the faith, but they've fallen away from the passion of God first. And, you know, with this great man of God that I was sharing time with, his whole thing to me was explaining why some things were happening in his life, and in their ministry. And what he said to me was that the Lord told them to pour it out. Pour everything out so that he could start new. And that was a major challenge and shook a lot of people up all around him. Because in faith he said, I heard from God. And his wife said, so do I. So they poured it out so that they could rely day by day on the Lord instead of an endowment that made life comfortable. And he said, you know what? We've never been happier. We've never been more excited because now we want to see what the Lord's going to do because we can't do it ourselves anymore. And then I shared with him about the, 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 the offering of pouring out the cup from the law in Leviticus. I'm not going to teach that today. I did once a while ago. I touched on it. But pouring out the cup is very important. And we understand that the Lord says that he can't put his new stuff into old sacks and wine cases, can he? He wants us to empty them out, to pour out new. And so we get a bit of a secret of the mystery of how to prepare ourselves to prepare the way. We need to pour ourselves out. And not just one time, but as fast as it's coming in, keep pouring it out. And I'll tell you, when you live that way, you walk in peace in the joy of the Lord. You walk in an understanding with a confidence that you don't have to worry about tomorrow, like Jesus said. He'll take care of it. He'll pour some more back in. And don't measure it by how, how, how full you get. Measure it by how much you keep pouring out. Because he'll keep pouring in. You know, my prayer used to be, I want to be filled with Jesus. Now my prayer is, I want Jesus to flow through me and just keep flowing through me so that I never get so full that I'm full of myself. I just want to be a conduit. <laughs> I want to have a cup that pours out and never gets empty. I want, to, I want to be, and I know you do too. Really, you do. You know, we just have to learn to walk with that mentality and that understanding, realizing that nothing surprises God in our life. 
<laughs> he's already got it all. And he'll always make a way if we're faithful. And in so doing, he challenges us. And we have to go through some stuff to get to that point. If not, we'd think we did it ourselves. But when he does it for us in spite of the storm, in spite of what we need, fine. It was interesting because I was dealing with another ministry that God gave me to help advise and counsel. Two in one day sort of wore me out. I was in four cities in one day two days ago. Came in about midnight, got to bed about 1.30, back out about 6.30 in the morning. I'm not complaining because you know I've made a covenant with God, strong and in God. Use me for what you want, Father. And so I grab that strength and I walk with that strength. And in this other one, I mentioned to them that as I was praying for how to minister to them between Dallas and Tulsa on the plane, preparing my spirit, the Lord took me to Matthew, and he took me to where he just did a wonderful, wonderful miracle, feeding so many thousands, so many thousands out of crumbs and pieces. And then he said, okay, let's get on a boat and go to the other side. Disciples didn't know why he was going to the other side, but at that point, they're going to go anywhere he tells them after they saw that. So they get on a larger boat. Most people miss this, and a whole bunch of smaller boats followed the larger boat. Most people don't get that. I've never even heard it preached on. The larger boat and the smaller boats, but they all became one. And they were all part of the same miracle. And they were all going to witness the next miracle. And they were all following the Lord, one, some in a big boat and some in small boats. But together, what an awesome scene it was. And Jesus got in the big boat, as he should. And, you know, instead of being the one-eyed pirate at the top of the mess, and I, hey, he, he got in the back. He went to sleep. He was tired. How many of you know you get tired ministering? Huh? How many of you know that? That's why Jesus always taught us after he ministers, he takes a little rest. I'll tell you, one of my most favorite times of the week, if I get permitted to do so, is after church, after church, before I start getting into a whole bunch of stuff, and my piles are this big, I never get through them, I try to find a little bit of time to just stretch out and chill out. That's my favorite time of the week because I'm resting from giving. Much like you, I give all week. All week. Day and night. Right when I think I'm done, my phone rings or I get texted and there's somebody somewhere in desperate trouble. Or they just want a word. Most of the time, like you, I just want to put my phone is silenced. But I don't. I weigh it out. And I respond because strong and then gone. And we keep emptying ourselves out. So I said to this person, I saw that. And as I closed my eyes, I saw the disciples who had just seen this magnanimous miracle. I saw them, the waves began to come up in the Lake Galilee. Now, it's, it's a soup bowl, much like Lake Erie, just smaller. And so when waves come up in a soup bowl, they flash and flop. It's not, not even like the waves in the ocean that have a long distance to find themselves out. They just swirl and swish and swoosh. 
And so it came quickly, a storm came quickly. And, and I'm sure these disciples are thinking, now if he's the Messiah and he just fed everybody, how come he didn't tell us the weather and we just wait a minute? What happened here? You know, the weather forecaster was how much, how many of us know the weather forecaster in Youngstown, Ohio? It's way off. Oh, you're going to have rain today and it's sunny. You're going to have sunny today and it rains. It's going to be warm and it's cold, right? And, yeah. I like Stan Boney, but man, I used to try to make a living off of him and it didn't work. Pouring concrete, didn't work. Canceled a lot of concrete trucks. But the water came in so much that it began to fill the boat. Didn't just tussle the boat. Water began to fill the boat. How many of you have ever been a boat when a boat when water was coming in? Right? When my wife and I got married, we bought an old beat-up fiberglass boat. We put it, somebody allowed us to put it on their dock out at Lake Milton, but we didn't know that the guy who sold it to us didn't tell us had a hole in the bottom of it. And the first time we put it in there, thank God, was about five o'clock at night, so we went back the next morning and the boat had about a fourth of it full of water. So what did you think I had to do? Slush water out, run and get a pump. Put the, and so we kept that stinking boat the whole summer and I had to keep a little pump in it to keep the water coming out. And then we'd have to, when we used the boat, we had to get it up high enough so that it wouldn't hit the hole and have the kids sitting in the back like this so we could keep the water out of it, right? Having a hole or water in the boat is no fun. Right? You're fighting water. Well, that's what was happening. And these disciples, they went and woke Jesus up. He was, he was taking a rest. He was resting in the Lord. He was resting in himself, resting in the Father. And they said, don't you perceive? What's wrong with you? We're in peril. We're gonna, they used the word perish. We're going to perish. And Jesus is thinking, hey, V, didn't you just see what happened here? You know? And he was a little agitated. Now, I know, I know when your wife wakes you up, brother, you never get agitated, right? You just, oh, thank you, honey, I needed to get up, right? Or the kids come and grab on your toes or something happens. I mean, you know, most of us, when we get awakened out of a really good sleep, we don't like it. Just, just be, be honest. You don't, I don't know how many of you just wake up all cheery and bubbly every moment. I don't. I need a little bit of time, and I don't like it when I'm rushed when I'm waking up. I want to be... And that's how Jesus was. He was agitated. They agitated the snot out of him. He woke up and, and, he, and, he, and he said, what's wrong with you? I'm putting it in the vernacular. He said, didn't you just see what happened? Lord, Lord, we're going to perish. Now, what did they expect him to do when they woke him up? I don't know. Did they really expect him to speak to the storm or did he expect him to calm it down and could get in all the other little boats that were probably sinking already? They weren't as tall. What was their expectation when they woke Jesus up? You know what it was? They didn't know. They just knew they needed him. What's our expectation when we shake the Lord? Do we tell him exactly what we want? Now, I know about the prayer. Tell the Lord what you want and he'll answer you. Or do we just have enough faith to believe he knows the right thing to do? Hmm? That's, that's faith number one. Jesus knows. He knows the right thing to do. Sometimes we mess it up by telling him the way we want it, and our expectation is if it doesn't happen that way, something's wrong. It's either wrong with him or wrong with me. Somebody's wrong because it didn't happen the way I wanted. But you see, that's why we spend so much time learning the eternal mindset. 
the mindset that says that God's in the past, the present, and the future. And when he manifests himself, he's already manifested in the future. And he'll go back to the past and fix it no matter what he wants to do because he's there too, as he told Isaiah in chapter 48. And he said, I'm in the present. I'm the God I am. And so when we say to God and pray to God, this is what we want, it's already done. It's just we don't know when it's going to manifest. And it may not manifest the way we want. Now, if the Lord gives us a word, then believe God in that word and hold on to it, but don't tell God how to perform the word. God gave me a word about preparing the way back in 1980, and God knows he laughed, and I didn't laugh until later on with him. I tried so hard so many different ways, made a fool of myself and everybody around me, because it wasn't the time. And I didn't have that anointing yet, and I didn't have that understanding yet. When Moses got the inclination as a son of Pharaoh's daughter to that those were his people, and he got the understanding, and he got this passion inside of him to defend his people. He did it in the flesh, didn't he? And he whacked one of the soldiers, and he had a charge of murder, and he had to run and then wait for the anointing to come 40 years later. And then the Lord to tell him to go. Hmm. 40 years ago, the Lord told me to be prepared to prepare the way of the coming of the Lord. So I look at that and I say, wow, God likes that number 40. I'll bet you poor Noah, he probably preached to God all the time. Lord, Moses had 40. How come I got so many? What's going on? Of course, one came before the other, so he didn't know. God's timing is perfect in what we do. So Jesus spoke to the storm and calmed it. It was done. Now, it doesn't tell us if he went back to sleep. I hope he did just to teach them a lesson. And I hope all the little boats survived because it doesn't say any of them didn't. But then they got to the other side and the miracle worker got back to work because he got his rest in between miracles. There's a seed inside the seed of everything that God has created. And what God creates, he calls good. So there's a good God seed in you. A good God seed. Say, good God seed. And that seed has everything in there that you need for the purpose of what God has for you to do. He did create you with a purpose. But it may not be the purpose of what you think you're doing now isn't the fulfillment of it. There's more coming. You see, in my own life, there was a time when I thought I was really walking into my purpose. And, you know, I can preach. And I can evangelize, and I can bring a lot of souls. Had that gift and that power from the moment God called me. And God's given me the gift of healing. So I thought that was the package. Because I saw other people that had that package, and I said, oh, I have that package. And then as it goes, you know, fame and, and all of that begins to come down, and pretty soon you're, you're, you're being requested and asked, and you're going to places, and you're an all-star hitting it out of the park. You know, and you're all done, and you say, wow, that was great. Let's do it again. And people begin to affirm you and tell you how great it's going, and pretty soon you get the little roadies chasing you around, trying to find you, and someone's flying from this town to this town and just to be in your service, and the numbers grow, and they grow, and they grow. And then something happens. The gifts can become your curse. And you take your eyes off of really your nothing, except he's everything. 
and that the gifts, even though God won't take them away, they can become a curse. In that instance, you know, by the grace of God, he sat me down. You know the story. I thought a week, I thought a month, I thought a year until I didn't care anymore. And then I began to serve in one large Spanish church and God just added numbers and the English service went through the roof and the same thing happened, healing and souls and I even had the embassies in Miami coming to the church, a bunch of them. And the word got out to the embassy and I said, oh, there it is, the Lord said I was going to preach to the nations. <laughs> See how crazy we get. And then the Lord took me to another one. And the same thing happened. It set bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and I went around the world with that one and thought, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. But, but I don't see myself preparing the way. But you know what? This, all that was was being put out in the wilderness. And the Lord curbing my enthusiasm in order to be with him. And then I got the blessing, my wife and I, to be sent to this place. Four people here to receive us when we came. Broken down building, turned out pockets, condemnation from the city. And then the Lord, he always makes it tougher, doesn't he? he says, Don't put it just back together. Do it as excellence unto me. And it took me aside to a broken down room with moisture and mold and cold and no heat and said, sit down, I want to talk to you. And he said, whatever you do, you do as excellence unto me. I said, oh, boy, Lord, that's going to cost more money. First thing that happened was somebody with a good heart wanted to bring us an old refrigerator because she got a new one. I said, no, we don't want your old refrigerator. Well, you could use it. I said, no, Lord said, but you don't have one. No, you want to give us your new one? Oh, no, no, I don't want to do that. You see, the Lord tested us right off the bat. Get rid of the old pews. We didn't have anything. We didn't have chairs or nothing. Took the pews all out. Fix the roof. Okay, Lord. No, no, no. Put on a new roof. But Lord, we got, no, no, no. Put on a new roof. Put band-aids on the HVAC. No, 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 no. The Lord says new ones. And then how about this one? Build me a studio. What? For what? What am I building a studio for? Where? Up in the choir loft. Build me a studio. So what do I do? I try to build it the way I think I could do it in my old rock and roll days. And the Lord sits me down. And he says, hey, stupid. <laughs> Is that all you believe in? I said, oh, Lord. I've been in studios. I don't know how to be said exactly. You don't have a clue what you're doing. Go find somebody. I'll send them to you. And I did. And then it came time for lighting, and I wanted some handy-down light. And Lord said, no, 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 no. Get good lighting. He said, I'm the God of light. I said, Lord, I don't even know where to get good lighting. Shows us where. It just so happens it's called bee lighting. Bee lighting is lighting that was just used for a moment, and then they take it back in inventory, but they can't sell it as new because it's been used. You know where it was used? At the Olympics. And it's sitting upstairs here, and it's as good as the lighting that's out right now. It was state-of-the-art, and it's good. And it's good. And so we had a studio, nothing to use it for. Turned the key and locked it up for two years. 
And then all of a sudden, the Lord began to use it. Reinhard Barkey come. The first one to come to the studio. Got a phone call from Whitaker Publishing. Reinhardt needs a studio. I told him, you got one. He wants to come. Picked him up. Got off his plane in Youngstown. Brought him in here. He did a studio. He did all kind of cutting all day. And we were standing right out in that fellowship hall. And he was sitting with his back to me. I put my hands on both of his shoulders. And he went like this. He said, what'd you do? I said, I jacked your gift, my brother. Without that studio, he wouldn't have been there. Without him being there, I wouldn't have jacked the gift of evangelism from one of the best evangelisms ever to walk the earth. God has a purpose for you in everything he does. It's wound up in that little seed that's inside of you already. Now, if there's one theme that should run true to you right now, it would be be sensitive to the voice of the Lord and be obedient. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience may not always and almost always will not line up with your own ambitions and plans. A lot of times God gives obstacles and challenges and we just want to pound through them because we want it, we want it, we want it. And we may get there, but when we get there, we're either early or at the same time we're where we shouldn't be yet. I thank God that in my life, in our lives, that he put those detours in places so that we'd be right where he wants us at the time that he wants us. And I thank God that now in a, in a subtle way we're starting to touch the nations with the message of prepare the way. And it is a magnet. It's magnetizing. I'll share that as we get going, not today. You see, when there's a move of God, both in your life and in your calling, people are called to it. Now, think on this. I've had several moves in my life, and people have been called to each one, but there was a time when each one had its time. And then it was time to move on to the next calling. It's hard to do. That's harder to do than to just want your calling because you have to give up something. You've got to pour the cup out again. That's hard to do. That's really hard to do. You know, consider it this way. You work, you toil, you save up your whole life, to have a debt-free home and then the Lord tells you to give it away. And you're getting older and you do it again and you're getting older. The Lord says, give it away again and you give it away. And then you do it again and the Lord says, give it away again. You say, Lord, darn it, I'm a senior now. What am I going to live in? And then you start to cower and hide from the Lord because you don't want him to tell you again. It's like, not me, Lord. Them, them, them. Get that, get that young guy over there. Pouring out the cup. But you know what happened with the first meeting in Dallas? We shared. The Spirit of God was so strong in that room. Both of us were in another place. Sharing what God had given us both as purpose. And to prepare the way anointing was so strong. And this is unusual for me. It was so strong. My wife had come right at the end of it to pick me up to take me to the airport. I got up, we started walking out, and my legs went like this. She said, are you okay? I said, I'm, uh, I'm dizzy. She goes, oh, no, 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 sit down. I said, no, 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 no. Got in the car. 
got to the airport, got out of the car, got in the airplane. In the airplane, I'm like, Lord, what am I going to, how am I going to serve these people you're sending me to? They're hurting, they're wounded, they're beat up, they're betrayed. Uh, uh, and he says, oh, watch this. And he shows me the storm. I get out of the car at the airport. I walk in their house and go to step over the threshold and I go like this. My wife says, do I need to take you to urgent care? I said, honey, I'm drunk. What? I said, I'm drunk in the spirit and it ain't going away. I said, because of the prepare the way anointing, sweetheart. And I said, do you realize that I just ministered that to a man who's in every nation in the world? Do you understand that what God told me 40 years ago is manifesting now? And guess what? Woke up yesterday. Because the anointing's growing and growing and growing. Because the seed is cultivating, blistering. And the word's going out. And the revelation's coming forth. Let's go to James 1.7 and 1.8 a moment. I'm just going to open up the scripture with you. And we'll delve into it more. James, as you know, was in a very strong position in the discipleship government. He was the one who had to preside over a bunch of people chasing their own ambitions, still trying to figure out what Jesus was all about, the risen Jesus. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. In fact, go to the verse before that, please. I wasn't going to open that one, but I want to. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. <laughs> Jesus on the Sea of Galilee, tossed like a wind. James was there. You think maybe he was relating that experience? Hmm? We doubted. We had a little bit of faith, but the Lord gave us more. But when you doubt, it's like a wave of the sea driven and tossed. You see, we get all spiritual, but these disciples are also talking about real experiences they had with Jesus. James was there. Next. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. So as we begin to cultivate the seed and move, we can't be double-minded. You see, more and more, and I pray this for you, we need to set our face like flints to Jerusalem. Jesus wouldn't go away. He knew he was going to be crucified, but he, he said he set his face like a flint to Jerusalem. For me and my house, my face is set like a flint to prepare the way for the Lord. I'll share a little secret, and we won't talk about it anymore. I won't be here when he comes, but many of you will. Remember that. Set your face like a flint. Don't get moved. Next verse. 
He's a double-minded man or woman, unstable in all his ways. You see, double-mindedness causes instability in all your ways. You may say, well, it's just on this one thing. No. When we have the procrastinate, when we make the decision to be double-minded about something, it, it shows our character. It shows who we are. And most of all, it tells the Lord, not ready. Not ready. Lord, I want to give that you told me to, but. <laughs> no, but God is the only one. Not but. Lord, I know you gave me this gift. I got the passion inside to do something, but I'm going to do something else for a while. But, but a whole bunch of buts being spoken of during the judgment seat with the goats and the sheep. The sheep are going to, and the goats are going to go, but, 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 Lord, get away from me with your buts. Next. This is the one. Next verse. Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field he will pass away. Next one. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat that it will wither the grass. Its flower fall, fails and its beautiful appearance perishes. So will the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. He is not cursing wealth. He is cursing pursuits that do not line up with God. Could be anything. Could be a hobby. Could be anything. Could be a television program that you're stuck on no matter what, when, where, and how. Could be a sport. Could be gossip. Could be anything. I'm weeding my garden out too. What pursuit is more important than the pursuit of God? Fast forward me to James 1.18, please. Let this one sink in real hard. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a underlying kind of first fruits of his creatures. Kind, does that resonate with you? Kind, let every kind bring forth its own kind. Genesis, let's create the herbs and the plants and put the seed inside of itself so that that seed brings forth its own kind and begins to continue to bring forth that kind over and over and over and over. How many of you know an apple tree wasn't just invented 100 years ago in an orchard in Hubbard, Ohio? How many of you know the apple tree was in the garden? How many of you know that God brought forth that apple tree to bring forth its fruit and its seed, and it's been doing so forevermore? How many of you know that we talked about how seeds were found in a cave 2,000 years old, and that seed still had the procrastinate to bring forth its own kind when planted and watered? And there's a little embryo inside of it that keeps just a moisture, just a moisture that can't be brought through because of the embryo that God puts around it, the Holy Spirit that God puts around it, the Word that God puts around you, His Word that He spoke you into being 2,000, 3,000, I don't care how many thousand years you want to give it. Before the beginning of time, He put it in you with a little bit of watering of the Holy Spirit to keep it and hold you to it until it was time to blossom and come forth, and then nothing could stop it. Not even it was put in a deep cavern of unbelief. 
When the time comes and the faith adds and the water pours and the Holy Spirit says and the Father speaks now, you bud, you blossom, and you begin to bear fruit. And that fruit has the seed of the seed inside of itself. That's why the generational thing works. You get it? That's why that, that, that grandmas and, and ancients, people we don't even know on their knees are declaring us before the Lord, possibly priests of the Lord, even in my own family. Way back in the day, God honored the seed of the seed of the seed. When Melchizedek gave the offering to Abraham, the Lord said that that Melchizedek was offering was in the loins of Abraham, and so it's in the loins of the Levites. It came forth, the Melchizedek offering, the blessing to bring forth the Messiah. And now, James, he gets it. That might be a kind. He got it in Genesis. Let every kind bring forth its own kind. Birds are birds, and they're the right kind of birds, and species are species, and they're the right kind of species. And plants are plants, they're the right kind of plants. And human beings are human beings, both male and female, and they're the right kind of male and female. Because that's kind, and kind is very important to God. And seed inside of itself is a creational law of God. Why do you think the devil's so hard trying to distort the seed of humans such that people say, I'm not the gender I was born. God got it wrong. How sick that you have parents telling little boys at three and four they're a little girl and starting to dress them up like a girl. How sick. How demented. How demonic. How diabolical. What an offense to God. James says, brought forth by the word of truth. Jesus is truth. That we might be a kind, a kind, a kind that is made by another kind, a creation by God that is good and every kind bring forth its own kind that has a seed so that we might be a kind of the, with the seed of the first fruits of the creatures. Which creatures? New creation creatures. Old things have passed away. All things are made new. We have the seeds of the first fruits of Jesus inside of us. Those are the first fruits. They're waiting to blossom, to be activated. That's why, beloved, I don't know why, but he put that first fruit seed in me about preparing the way and it burns inside of me and it's never quit from the first time I cried out, Jesus is Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach. I didn't have a honeymoon with God. I didn't have a nice time where everything was just kumbaya. I went through literal hell on earth, scratching and holding on to my faith. Letting go of everything. Yeah, be poor. Everything out. Everything. Everything. One pair of socks. One pair of underwear. One pair of pants. A jacket I kept giving away. Gloves I couldn't hold on to. No cars. I poured everything out. I went through hell on earth for a while. But one thing that never left me 
was that first fruit to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. And inside of me now, it's on fire. And that fire's going out. And I know that's inside of you. I know it's inside of all kind of people because wherever he allows me to release it, there's an anointing that affirms. There's something that activates. And we get aligned with the time and purpose that we live in to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. Listen to me, beloved. You had the law and the prophets, John 8, then came John. Jesus said it himself. John's time of ministry on earth was very short. He was the bridge between the law and the prophets and Jesus. You're the bridge between the church and Jesus coming. It's a short time. And the devil knows it too. So expect you're going to go through some stuff. Get strong. Become an overcomer. We went through in this church a whole season of how to prepare to be an overcomer. Somebody else grabbed my stuff and made a book out of it. I don't know how they do that stuff. It's okay. Just get the tapes here. You don't need to buy the book. Because what we're about to experience is going to be gross darkness over the earth, but the glory of the Lord risen upon you in greater intensity. And those who know their God will do great things. Good will be called evil. Evil will be called good. We need to know and discern the voice of God, what's truth and what's not truth. We need to filter our ears and not chase our pursuits. We need to go hungry and thirsty after God. No matter how old, how young, where you've come from, where you've not come, how churched, how unchurched, doesn't matter. We need to chase and pursue the things of God. You're a first fruit. And you could be a first fruit new every day. Not one time when you came to the Lord, but every day. Because that seed continues to multiply. And the code of that seed, <laughs> listen to me, the code of that seed is eternal. Eternal. That's why the tree that he took out of the garden is somewhere in Revelation in heaven. And that tree is giving leaves every month, 12 leaves a month. It's seeding and seeding and seeding and seeding and hasn't quit. And that's why our souls are eternal. They reside one place or the other, heaven or hell. But the seed inside of us who know Jesus Christ and are his first fruits, we have his kind of seed. And right now, you know what his kind of seed is saying? Prepare the way, I'm coming back. And when we get that in our mindset, we could order our lives here on earth. Everything begins to make sense to us. Why are we here? What are we doing? What matters? What doesn't matter? Hmm. First fruits of his creatures. Well, 
Not the message I had, but the message you got. I got it too. Um, I just want to share this as we prepare to take up an offering. It's about first fruits. And it's scriptural. Yesterday, we had the awesome pleasure to celebrate 10 years of marriage with a wonderful couple in our church. And both of them were with us early on, and then they had a period of time where they weren't, and they've been back, and they're doing wonderful things for the Lord, Audrey and, and, and Rob Horner. And it was interesting that they were celebrating 10 years since they were married here at this altar. Between the two of them, they didn't have a dime to rub. So they decided that in this stage in their life, they could have a real wedding. Small, wonderful, good time. I admonished them here at the altar and I said, you know, 10 spiritually has a lot of significance. In Hebrew, the number is called heirs and it's very close to another word called osher. Eris is the number 10, means completion, and the end of one thing and the beginning of new beginnings, start of new beginnings. Osher means wealth. So when we grab the significance of 10, we also understand that that's what God tells us to tithe. Now, in the Lord, there's no mistakes. Hebrew is a God-given language. Do you know that that language was preserved through everything? The diaspora, the Jews being sent all over the earth. And it, you know, it changed a little bit into Yiddish to, to, to preserve it. But when Israel was, before it was regathered, there was a man named Herzl and another one. And, and they felt the call of God at the turn of the 20th century, back in 1900s early, that when this Israel became a nation again, which didn't happen until 48, they said, unless the Jewish people have a common language, they're going to come together speaking in all kinds of languages because they're from all over the earth. So they revived formal Hebrew. And they made sure that it was written down and could be taught. So you have the Hebrew, you have the Yiddish. And in so, they very carefully went back to the archives and the teachings of the rabbis and the midrash and the Torah. They wanted to make sure they got the words right. And so they applied that word eris to Hebrew word for 10 and for the tithe that the Lord had required to be given to the Levites for the work of the Lord. And they applied a little bit different word, osher, of the same root to wealth 
because they understood that the Lord says through Malachi, test me in this. Give me my tithe and I will open the windows in heaven to bless you, make you wealthy. Wealthy in a lot of things, not just money. So we see that, that God's wisdom is, is beyond our comprehension. A Jew understands Eris right like that. They understand Osher like that. They understand the tithe of the Levites, although many don't. Just like many Christians don't. Let's not judge. Let's just do. And so, how many of you know that that then also became the first fruit, the tithe? Mm -hmm. It's the first fruit. Why? Because it plants a seed that keeps on giving and giving and giving and giving and giving. How many of you know that that's one of three seeds, and I'll get to the other two another time in this teaching, that you have <clears throat> dominion and gifting to plant in the Lord? That's one. You don't plant it, no seed. You plant it, seed. Let every kind, come on, bring forth its own kind. And there's a seed inside the seed, a seed in itself. So you might only plant the widow's might, but that's going to multiply and multiply and multiply and multiply. Isn't that exciting? You know, it's one thing to hear all this, but now, now you're putting it together. You're getting, you're getting some meat, okay? <laughs> you're getting some meat. So this is our opportunity to tithe. What do we do with it? Oh, we're like Ellie, the the fat prophet who sat in front of the gate and got fat and his kids went and burned incense. No, no. We put it to work. We try to be the best stewards we can and multiply in other churches and other nations and when people have a need with discernment to that need. And we use it because God has not only required us and invited us to sustain the work that he's given us, but he's allowed us to be good stewards to bring the harvest in together to one barn house and to plant it together. How many of you know that when two are in agreement, good stuff happens? Right? So together, we become farmers of the seed of God. And we plant it in the kingdom. And someday in the heavenly places, you're going to go and see your glass wall in your mansion that has all the little things that God hung up there, the little ribbons, and one of them's going to be, you planted some seeds that touch heaven, and guess what it did? It saved 10,000 souls in Kenya, 1,000 souls in Nicaragua, 5,000 Jews in Israel. Are we doing it ourselves? No, we're seeding into it with other good stewards, and we're equipping them with the resources that God has given us, and we're participating with your seed, our seed.